Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. Peace, 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 and welcome to The Rematch which is part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. On the rematch, you'll hear in-depth interviews with notable names from all walks of life. Because sometimes the media just doesn't get it right. The rematch is that second opportunity to clarify, put things in proper context, correct fake news or misreported controversy. The media still exists as the most powerful entity on earth because they control the minds of the masses. I'm Atan Thomas, and the full truth is what we are aiming to catch. Many media stories omit details that would dilute their clickbait roar, and that's why there's a need for the rematch. I sat down with legendary athlete activist Tommy Smith who raised his black fists at the 1968 Olympic Games in Mexico City, along with Dr. John Carlos. We discussed his new book, Victory Stand, Raising My Fist for Justice, the backlash he received after he took that stand, why it's important for young athletes to know and understand their history and the power of their voices. This is a great discussion. Hope you enjoy. Dr. Tommy Smith, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine, youngster. How are you doing, Etan? I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Listen, it is an honor for me to be speaking to you. Let me tell you that, first of all, before we get into anything. I've literally had the poster of you and Dr. John Carlos on my wall since middle school. I, I took, took a different image with me to college in Syracuse. You know, I got a poster right now, um, you know, in framed of you right here in my office. So it is definitely an honor um, to be sitting down here speaking with well, you. Well, thank you. Thank you. So um, thank you for taking the time out um, of your schedule. Um, I know you're in L.A. now and you're going to be the keynote speaker at the uh, Civil Rights Institute, correct? Correct. Right. And you're you're um, you're there. You're speaking. Your new book is called Victory Stand, uh, Raising My Fists for Justice. And really, it's an amazing book. And we're going to get into that. Um, But first, let me give you a little bit of background for our for our viewers. Um, You know, in, in 1968. 
U.S. track and field team. And I want to give a little background because a lot of people might not know this before we get into everything else. You all are considered to be one of the greatest collection of U.S. Olympic athletes ever. I mean, you want, y'all won 28 medals and set like eight world records at Mexico City. Like y'all was bad. You know what I mean? Like y'all was like the top of the top setting records that, that were going to last for for decades. <laughs> Let's talk about how great of a, of a collection of athletes um, that y'all were. One of the greatest, in fact, in fact, in the four by one, the four by four, the hundred meters, the 200 meters, the 400 meters, uh, we rallied first, second, or thirds in most of them. Some of them, all of them, like the 100 meters and the 200 meters, even the 400 meters. So right. you're right. Come to think of it, Detan, we were bad. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> Muhammad, was- Muhammad Ali said we were some bad men. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so um, I think uh, either this past Sunday or the, or the one before that marked 54 years yeah. since um, October 16th, 1968, where during the medal ceremony at Mexico City Olympics, um, you, the gold medal winner um, in the 200, um, along with John Carlos, Dr. John Carlos, who is the bronze medal winner, and along with Peter Norman, who isn't um, always mentioned, but Peter Norman there with you, who stood in solidarity, and y'all were all positioned on the podium in black socks and, you know, raised your black glove fists uh, to protest racial injustice inflicted upon African-Americans in this society. Now, I want to deep, take a deep dive into this book because I I really loved the way that you made this geared towards young people, um, especially in the age where young people aren't being educated in schools the way they should be educated in schools about our heroes, about our history, about our culture, about with CRT and how racism connects to the way that laws are being implemented and all of that. So you specifically wanted this to be geared towards young people. Talk about why you specifically did that. Because that's the mind where things begin. Uh, like a computer, uh, you put things in and they might not uh, accept it right then, but they will remember what has been said. And education follows that same pattern, man, makes it everything uh, through the image of uh, oneself. And and uh, that resonated in my thought process while doing this book to start where the beginning really entertain the process of remembering or has been heard, but necessarily not necessarily said, but you go into the, uh, the, the likeness, the image of what has gone on. You try to connect that with what is happening and what may happen to you, depending on your thought processes going through that stage. And I thought the young person uh, would uh, value that as much as the older generation, but mm-hmm. the older generation probably lived through a lot of the things that I went through even in those days. So they were there like yourself, though you're not nearly as old as I am. You're in the age now of remembering things that you thought maybe not necessary to remember at age four or five or six. Right. If you go back. Now you can connect that because you're, you're in that area of connection to my age with the young age. So now you can see both. That's right. That's what the book is basically about. But I use myself as that interim portion to bring the youth into someone who can take it to where I am now. So this book is a total 
image of the excitement of understanding through, throughout a whole life. And yes, it took me some time to put that together, but I think the book is the thing that the young kid could have uh, and the, uh, the older folks can understand. Right, right. Let me let me read what the New York Times said about about your book. It's getting rave reviews from from everywhere. So I just saw it was nominated as one of the best books um, of the year, and it just came out, which is amazing. But let me read you what the New York Times said. They said in this phenomenal graphic memoir, Victory Stand, raising my fist for justice. Smith teams up with the award-winning author Derek Barnes to tell his own riveting story of balancing athletic prowess and social activism. Uh, through stirring illustrations, propel this magnificently paced um, story underscores the infuriating professional repercussions of Smith's activism. Timely and timeless. Smith's victory stand is a must read, not just for sports fans, but for everyone. And that was the, the New York Times. And, you know, it, it really it there was a lot that they said in that. And I want to get into this. Let's slow walk through. Um, the, the story a little bit. Um, so let's go. Let's let's go back and let's start with um, Dr. Harry Edwards and the Olympic Project for Human Rights and the Black Power Conference of 1967. So let, let's let, let's start there, and then we could go, you know, into everything else. Yeah, Ethan, you know, you and I could sit here for two or three days and talk about this, and we still wouldn't finish the conversation That's that true. you just mentioned then. But uh, let's try to highlight the, the parts that you know, uh, exploded at, on the victory stand. Everybody in the world saw what Tommy Smith and John Carlos did. Mm -hmm. But this started a long time ago uh, with me as a kid. And now I'm jumping way forward to college now, the questions that you brought up. Okay. The OPHR, the Olympic Project for Human Rights, uh, was a thought process by Dr. Edwards about the system, first of all, in introducing the system into mm -hmm. something which we were a part of, which is the system, and we had a responsibility to react to the negatives of this system when it came to uh, to uh, the color issue. Now, understand that the 60s was one of the greatest educational times in the history of, of man made, coming from slavery through that era up to where we are now. Right. And it wasn't young. It wasn't old. It wasn't a, a young thing in terms of things was happening in the 60s. Mm -hmm. It was a year and a half old. But it was a year and a half old uh, geared toward the athlete take, become a responsibility, not only of his surroundings, but his or her immediate uh, 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 acknowledgement, immediate. Mm -hmm. time, and I was quiet. I said very, not very much because I wanted to get my education. My daddy said, boy, you're not picking cotton anymore. You're not out here in the field with the rest of your brothers and sisters. So when you go to college, he said, I think that's what they call that school. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, daddy, it's the college. He said, when you go there, you run. They say you can run fast because daddy never saw me run. He uh -huh. said, they say you can run. Now, this is in 65, 66. This is 66, 67, my daddy was talking. They said, he said, they say you can run fast. But I can beat you running, so I don't know how fast that is. <laughs> I said, "Yes, sir." Right. So, uh, uh, so I became, as history tells, uh, one, one of the greatest. I'm patting myself on the back, only telling the story. I got you. It, it, it was up to us at that time. And Dr. Edward said, 
I think it's time to stand up on a platform where you can be seen since people want to know how you feel mm. talking directly to me. And I said, okay. And he said, Smith, you never said very much when you were running. You were concentrating on what you were doing, which is your educational educational power and your power running. You could use that someday. I said, yes, I thought that. He said, now's the time. I said, oh, my God. And that was it. And it started from there. Tommy Smith began to talk about where he came from, uh, 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 how he grew up, going to college, and 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 then living at that time and moving to now. That's what the book's about. But it's coming from a child's st- standpoint of understanding. That's why it's good, Ethan, for the gen- younger generation, your generation, and up to where I am now. And it was a, the Olympic Project for Human Rights. And there were the yes, we had points. We didn't get up. We didn't start this with a, a maybe a, hap, ha, a, 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 a hap, ha, haphazard mm-hmm. way of viewing things. We had specifics mm-hmm. because we wanted to be allocated as doing a job in the in the name of moving forward, not doing a job and talking about it and going back and doing something else. And well, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things I want to ask you: one of the things in the book that you, you showed was the human side. So you 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 were nervous. You 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 were you did have different thoughts. You did you know what I mean? Because sometimes when you paint when they paint pictures and tell the stories, it's like you know you're you're the, they talk about heroes and you are a hero, and they talk about what the person accomplished or what they did or what they stood for, but they don't talk about the human emotions that were that were going on inside of them while they were doing all of that. Yeah, that's and I think that's a really important part because you can't just pluck that out of it because we all are humans. You can't forget that because it was on the inside of me yeah. while it was happening and my doing what I did and then and, and telling about it afterward. So on all starting lines, that was on my mind. That was on my mind even before the thought of, uh, of the Olympic Project for Human Rights. Mm. The nervousness, how I felt, where I was from, who I was representing coming right. off that line. Right. And you know how it is. You've been in that, that, that world of knowing where you are, what you're going, what you want to do, mm. but you had put your best in front of the thought process to maintain a positive finish. Right. And that's the way I felt in each one of, of my races. Or when I was running under that little thing we call a football singer coming out of the air and said, mm. oh my, that is my future. And if you miss it, you just, uh, you know, take that hit you got by Dave, Dave Grayson or, uh, or George Atkinson and went on to do something else, you know, but right. actually, it, it was my life. Each start, each start, no matter what race was my life. So people say, oh, that was a tough race. I really got tired. Oh, I look at them and smile and say, yes, it was. But I know something that was harder. Living through that tiredness, not just right. getting tired. That's right. And I want people to understand this. It's a book of life. It's a book of attitudinal suggestive independence on moving forward. Right, right, right. Now, I want to talk a little bit about some of the um, the forces that were against you all as a group um, and, and not even afterwards, after you all, you know, gave your different stances in the 68 Olympics, but leading up to it, because I want to build it because sometimes people jump over when I say like you jump over the emotions or you jump over the feelings and it just happens. You know, I want to set the stage and build it. And you, you, you painted the picture really well in the book 
And, and that's why I love the illustrations that it showed, because especially with young people, you know, everybody, they're so visual and you can see, like you can see the image of one time of you looking and it's like you looked like you was nervous, like you looked like you was contemplating. And it's OK to be nervous and contemplating. But when you have a purpose, you still walk in that purpose, even though you're nervous. But uh, but and that that's what I thought was really beautiful, the way that it was shown. But I want to talk about some of the forces that were against you all at that time. Um, and and I think a lot of people are going to be um, surprised to hear that there were other athletes who were not quite on board with you all. I'll say it that way. Not quite, you know, all, like as soon as it was proposed, yes, this we're all going to do. And we're all. Gonna, that's not the way that it that it that it happened. Um, so talk about some of those forces of how the peer pressure of your different athletes. And some people that didn't necessarily want to do yeah. and go in that direction and then think that that's what y'all should do. Yeah, the, the force forces, plural, of togetherness creates a positive action for all. Mm. And you're right. All the athletes were not in agreement with what was going on. They, mm -hmm. agreed, they, they agreed on the need for things to happen, but not them making that sacrifice. Right. Okay? Right, right. So they would sit and listen and would agree with the need for action, such as, but not them being a part of that to sacrifice their future. Right. So the agreement was strong throughout the need for all the athletes across the nation who believe to meet all the, the athletes who uh, might make the Olympic Games, mm -hmm. might make that team. But even on that small group, there were that what you were talking about. Right. I'm not sure if I want to do this. Right. <laughs> Get moving. You got as strong as it did yeah. because of lack of lethargism throughout the stronger force. It materialized in action. But democratically speaking, God, I, I hate to get you to any, any political words in this. That's all right. I got I to say it. The group met. The last meeting we had was a, uh, Denver, Colorado, where we mm -hmm. the, the elevation was the same coming mm -hmm. coming from uh, where the, our training was to Denver, Colorado, and into Mexico City, we didn't, didn't want to drop. The mm -hmm. administration didn't want to drop down. It was decided by the, the the group of the athletes that no, we're not going to boycott because we have done what no other team has done: band together, make sacrifices to get where we are. Now let's do something about what. We want what I want, and that was to compete because a lot of the guys were old, older guys, and that was their last chance to compete in in an Olympic game. So they wanted to compete. So it was decided that each athlete would 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 would, would do what he thought necessary, according to how a country represented them. Right. So that released all the athletes to do what they thought necessary. Talking was over now. Etan, it was right. done. Right. So that's the way you why you saw the four by one relay team who won first did nothing. Right. You know, some other guys did nothing. Mm -hmm. And when Tommy and John got on the victory stand, mm -hmm. and we really believe that's where the Olympic Project for Human Rights started on San Jose State campus. We were students there. Mm -hmm. Then right after that, you saw the Black Sox being worn by athletes and other things done on the victory stand. But no one could touch what Tommy and John did because our dire need to sacrifice because that that victory stand or the Olympic Project for Human Rights must be strong enough 
politically so everybody can understand you have your own thought. But history will reveal to you that there's a change needed and we are sacrificing this so everybody could see. This was a world thing. This wasn't just Mexico City or just the U.S. This was the globe to sacrifice the needs of those to represent themselves mm-hmm. according to how they felt about their countries or our country representing us. And that's exploded. So when people saw Tommy and John on the victory stand, they thought, oh my God, we hate America. Oh my God, God, they should be shot because they put their, their down in the flag. Right. There are more people per capita died for that flag. So why am I going to get up there and say it's no good? Mm-hmm. It was a time for me to say something where everybody could see and the flags happen to be a part of those ceremonies. Right. If you don't love the flag, you hate your daddy mm-hmm. because he worked for that flag back in the, 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 the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Right. And my turn was 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and on. So that's where we are now. So you see, it's more to this mm-hmm. than the beauty of the color. And the cute little dude, ain't it? The beauty of the cover. Mm-hmm. It is a sincere aptitude of history personified by those who uh, made those sacrifices. And, you know, it's one there. There's so much with this um, because there's so much that can be taken from this book and applied to everyday life right now. So when we was talking about the, even the different forces, um, there is there were other athletes being used in order to discourage you all from making a stance. The opposition were using different athletes to 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 speak out against you all. And you know what I'm saying? So 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 I, I think that's a that's a interesting point because even with that you all still persevered. You know what I mean? Even through, even with all the different forces, even with through everything that everyone was trying to do to discourage you by using your own athletes, by using the media, by using all this different stuff, and none of it discouraged you. You still did what you felt, you know what I mean, was needed to be done. And even after you did it, they still tried to twist the message. And that's one thing I want you to break down for me, if you could. All of the symbolism... Because sometimes people get lost in just the black fist and the black glove. There was so much symbolism going on with everything. Y'all had the beads. You had the open jacket. You had there's a reason why you were barefoot. I want you to break down everything because it was such a collective stance. But the the opposition wanted to paint you all in one way to, to make everybody against you. The same way that they tried to do with Kaepernick. The same way that they do with LeBron when he speaks. So they try to... Make your message go to this in order for everybody to be against it. But I want you to break down everything that you had. Y'all had the beads. You had, you know, open jacket. You had without the shoes and what everything meant in the symbolism of everything, if you could. Yeah, we we wanted people to understand that we were there for a reason. And some people wouldn't hear us saying what was necessary for them to understand. So we have to show them. Mm -hmm. Black socks represented poverty. In fact, our, our, our pants legs were rolled up so they could see it. Mm-hmm. It represented poverty. And some people would still say, oh, well, gee whiz, why'd you have to do that? That's kind of childish. Yeah. Well, that, that's where we came from, childhood. Right. Through that. So if you have that, that, that menial in your mind and you go back to childhood and really look, 
You don't have to say anything. Then, of course, there were I, I had a black scarf representing the lynching that we had to go through just so I could get on that victory stand. Mm -hmm. Then the black gloves represented power, mm -hmm. the power of togetherness, mm -hmm. not division, togetherness. People call it black power. They call it anything they want, as long as they see and hear that it was a power that black men for a uh, 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 form who was tormented forged forward to use it. Mm. We have to use sight to make insight of what we were trying to do. And yes, we were young guys, 23 and 24 years old, but mm. we had a might of brain to, uh, to, to try to make understand those who were negative in their thought process to endure reality. So we talked about it. Yes, we did, but we didn't know exactly how we were going to bring it forward until the gloves came up. Me and mm. John the day before came up, but we didn't know what we were going to do because we were undecided on how can we make people see what, understand rather what they see. Mm. That was the problem. And that also was a release of cranial thought to expand. Things do happen. Everybody have their own way of looking at it, including guys on the team. Mm. You got to have faith in what you're doing, faith in the movement, faith. What is faith, Tommy? I believe is what Matthew, uh, what, what Hebrew 11 and 1 says, the substance of things hoped for, the mm -hmm. evidence of things not seen, mm -hmm. but without hope, everything diminishes. It's dead. Your faith is right. dead. So we have to right. maintain the strength of moving forward. And yes, we did have the shoes with us. That's a, another echelon of thought process of why that shoe was sitting there. Mm -hmm. Okay, that shoe mm -hmm. while I was sitting there. And the fist gloves, the socks, the bowed head, prayer. I think prayer can 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 create a positive force for anything you do, but you have to believe in that even. Right. And the national anthem, I was praying, Etan. I was mm -hmm. praying during the national anthem, the Lord's Prayer. Come on. How mm -hmm. More serious can a young 24-year-old kid be right. depending on something bigger than he or she and it spread throughout the world. And people just not understanding that Tommy wasn't up there to become a martyr of stupidity, right. a sacrifice for the empathy and the love of those who had gone so I could get up there and do it. Right. Would I do it again? Yes. But I can't. <laughs> Age has caught up with me. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> well, I do other things like I'm doing now, writing books, talking to young folks and doing yes. doing things. You yeah. know, I, I really like that you discussed in the book about the backlash and, and what happened afterwards, because it's important for people to be able to understand, especially young activists, young activists that want to be able to express their opinion or take a stance in the way that Tommy Smith did and John Carlos did. And they have to expect that backlash is going to come. They have to expect it and not be shocked when it does come. But I want you to take us through the level of backlash because it's so interesting because now, you know, when you see, um, you know, you all go all across the country um, talking about you and Dr. Carlos and you're embraced and, you know, people are the, the museums and they, everything. They want to have the image and all that. But it wasn't like that when you, in 1968, after you took your stance. Talk about the level of backlash 
that you received. And you talked about it in the book and you illustrated it as, as well, which I love how you did because you painted the picture for young people or illustrated the picture for young people. But talk about the um, backlash that you all received. Knowing uh, knowing uh, that, uh, uh, well, let me put it this way, not knowing what might happen to us, to me after then, I had to portray the same thing I felt when I went in there. The love of people, the love of life and the sensation of talking and making things understood. You don't have to like it, but I'd like for you to listen to it. Maybe you can learn me something right. about what I said. Uh, the, the language is mightily important. So I listen. Sometimes it's better to listen uh, 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 and receive than to try to give and be denied. Mm. So I listen very carefully. In fact, I ask my wife sometimes, say that again so I can hear you say it again. Right. Of course, I, I'll stay in trouble 60% of my time with her <laughs> asking her questions. I need to know what you're saying. Right. Because we talk sometimes in riddles to just complete a sentence, which makes okay. no sense. Okay. We have to communicate. Silence is not an option. We mm -hmm. have to communicate, talk, rally, indicate process of moving forward. We know what moving back is. That's where we came from. Let's mm -hmm. move forward where we have not been and change things in a positive direction. How can you do that? Communicate. That's that, that's that that's I know you know you can take communicate and break all those letters down and make a lot of different words, but it does those different words doesn't spell communicate. One one out of it is eight, and I love to eat, so I just use eight out of it. <laughs> you know, just a lot of things we can do to excite the the, the process of of of, uh, of communication. Now, I'm not sure in in the book here it's, it's designed that way, but that's the way it was understood by me when I was putting it down. There's a lot of things in the book here that I learned from myself. Mm. Because silence is not an option. And I love the uh, the uh, uh, way that uh, uh, Derek... Uh, uh, Derek Barnes. Oh, Eric Barnes. Okay. He, Derek he's going he's to kill me. Uh, the, but, uh, the, uh, the writer uh, did it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. And, uh, and, I, I know I didn't understand, didn't, didn't, didn't relate to you exactly, because I know... You can cut and add on to the state whatever you want, you know. Oh no, no, no! It's great, and and the, it, it was that that communication that you're talking about that people heard and people tried to twist the what your message was, and that and and bring the backlash um, of the mainstream America. I use that term sometimes, mainstream America, um, who didn't like your message, uh, and, and I just thought that was you know that. There's certain people that take certain risks throughout history and they stand up for the whole and they get the brunt force of the reaction and they get the punishments and they get the, you know what I mean? They feel all of that, but they're standing up for everyone. And that's where you are. And I, you know, I just really want to thank you, you know, for the stance that you took at such a young age to have the courage to be able to take. And as you're as you're going around speaking, and I'm so happy that you're doing this. I'm so happy uh, when I hear Dr. Carlos speaking someplace, and because you're inspiring a whole young generation to walk in your shoes. Do you know what I mean? So, and I, I want to ask you: when you see uh, current athletes like Kaepernick, like LeBron James, you know what I mean, like Steph Curry, like taking stances. 
that are unpopular stances yes. that many people are going to strongly disagree with. And now they have social media, so everybody can tell you how strongly they disagree with. <laughs> Does it make you a little proud to see them, you know what I mean, walking in your footsteps, standing up the way that you, you know, laid the bread crunch from them? Does it make you a little bit proud? You look this big old smile on my face. <laughs> I see <laughs> that. Man, every time I see a young athlete stand up for the rights of all, especially because of where those who made these rights uh, work for everybody came from. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes you feel like, oh, my goodness, I did stand on a little brick. It ain't tall as some bricks, but I was on that brick. It had a very strong foundation, and that makes me feel great. You know, all the assets you mentioned, and there's a plethora of others right. coming up now. Right. Hopefully they won't be afraid to stand up and speak the truth about how they feel about what's going on around them, taking that sacrifice and doing something with it so someone else can see that sacrifice and say, oh, I understand. I like that. And they might do something that would propel that piece of acreage they stand on mm -hmm. wider so there could be others to climb on and say, I want to communicate with you. I want to talk with you. Even the kids in in, in in high school now. Look at these kids. They are playing professional football back when they played professional football back in the 30s and 40s. They're doing the same thing that they did. And right. they're just growing. So you can tell how far we have come through communication. And athletics, athletics, both men and women, has one of the greatest parts in the history of man to identify the need to communicate. Mm. Athletes, go to school. I mean, y'all no, don't sit in the back of the row either. Get up in the front so you can understand what that teacher is saying. Right. You know, I mean, don't get me doing my teacher thing now. Well, <laughs> I hear you. It's <laughs> mightily important for these young people to understand. Don't be afraid. Don't be right. ashamed to get up there. I mean, if you don't think you can talk right, talk more. It'll even sound right. Right. Now, I got to ask you this. Um, I, I interviewed Dr. Carlos. Oh, I, I wrote a book a few years ago called We Matter, Athletes and Activism. That's right. And I interviewed a lot of different athletes. I wish that we had connected then because I would have loved to get you in the book. But I interviewed Dr. Harry Edwards and Dr. Carlos and, you know, a lot of the athletes from there. And one of the things that I asked Dr. Carlos and I said, you know, now that the IOC and, you know, the world and, the, you know, U.S. and are, are embracing Dr. Tommy Smith and Dr. John Carlos, have they formally apologized to you all? And he kind of laughed when I said it. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, there ain't no apology. I was like, really? The way after all of this, they said, because, you know, if they're going to dump you into the Hall of Fame and do all, it seems to me, this is my opinion, that an apology should come with that. That's just my personal opinion. So have they still to this, and that was a little while ago when I interviewed him for that. So can I say to this day, have they still not apologized to you? I think because we talk about it, they think that they have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you see that? They apologize because they think they have, but no, they have not. And they will not. Pride is going to kill organization and certainly people because they to idolize and ignorance to understand the need to make people understand mistakes they don't believe in. No, and they won't. But it's not going to keep me from doing what I believe and have been known to be right about. They That's have that, 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 that 
what, what do you call it, on top of your head that nobody else can identify, quintessence mm. idea of we don't have a ceiling. The sky is not the limit, but there's someone above, I can hear about that, someone above the skies that right. I know that do believe right. in. So right. I go with the belief that uh, it's it's okay. Let them be them. Wow, wow, wow. So so I'm not going to hold you too long because I know you're getting ready. You got to rest because you got a big keynote speaking that you're doing tonight. But I want to ask you, as you, this will be the final question. As you go in these different places and you're you, using your book, and it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic book, um, and a young person, a young athlete comes in and asks you, you know, what, what advice can you give them on how to have the courage, the, the, the bravery um, to be able to take a stance the way that Dr. Tommy Smith did and to be able to withstand the criticism and maybe withstand the, the criticism from your peers, the, the discouragement from the people around you? What advice would you give to young athletes who have that thirst and are inspired by you and want to follow in your footsteps. Right. You know, you know, if time in life, not you and me, Etan, time in life for mm -hmm. a young person to think, how can I do this? How can I do this? Four things, four things, four okay. things. I must, I must write it down. Okay. Prepare, prepare preferably. Prepare with faith, with faith. Young folks, you hear this now. Proceed positively with strength, with strength. Then plan purposefully, purposefully with proactive thought and pursue with persistence through it all. And then move to the front row of life with a verbal positive attitude. Mm. Don't let anyone take you down. Mm. Period. Yeah. I love smile. That. I love that. Strength and keep on walking. In fact, you can put a little hit in that step as you walk away. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. The book is called Victory Stand, Raising My Fists for Justice, and it's available now. Dr. Tommy Smith, it was an absolute honor. Um, thank you for everything that you've done and everything that you're doing now. Um, you know, much blessings to you, and, and may God protect you. And again, uh, safe travels, and have a great um Keynote tonight, and as you continue to speak, I hope we cross paths again, but much respect to you. Just want to make sure I say, convey that to you. Much respect to you. Thank you for listening to The Rematch. You can find more episodes on basketballnews.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find my articles on basketballnews.com, along with exclusive content from Kenyon Martin, James Posey, and more. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AtonThomas36. Let me know what you thought of this episode and who you'd like to see as a guest. I would love your feedback.